Friday, our job, he was the one. We were at Target and he found the shelf for the bathroom. He's like, maybe we should organize our bathroom. And I thought, Zach, I've never loved you more. That is like... That's like the hottest thing you've ever said. (laughs) You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to Lead Him to Life. I am very, very excited to be sitting across the country from my friend, Heather Mullen. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm excited to be here. This is so fun because um, we connected about, what, three years ago? Something like that? It was three years ago, yes, at a coffee shop downtown Sioux Falls, and we just got it all out on the table and became friends after that. So Totally, totally. (laughs) And I remember coming back from that, and I was telling my husband, I think I just met my new best friend, but she's moving to South Carolina. (laughs) And I think I might have said the same thing to Zach and said, Zach, are you sure we should move to South Carolina? (laughs) I have a new great friend here. I have a new great friend. Okay. So Heather, tell us a little bit about just some, some fun facts. Who are you? Um, Tell us a little bit about you. Yes. So my name is Heather Mullen and I live in South Carolina now. Um, I grew up in Rapid City and then moved to Sioux Falls where I met Emily. And my husband and I currently are foster parents. We don't have anyone in the home right now. No little ones. I'm a nurse and I work at a dermatology clinic and my husband is a pharmacist and we moved to South Carolina. It'll be two years in June. I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe it either. I'm just waiting anxiously for the day that you return to me. Actually, although following you on Instagram, I'm like, maybe we should move there. It looks unbelievably beautiful. It looks so beautiful. (laughs) Okay. Tell me a little bit about your discernment, your decision, you and your husband's decision to move to South Carolina. Why the heck out of the blue did you decide to move? Why South Carolina? And that is truly the question. Um, Ever since I was 12, which is so bizarre, I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was a movie I saw, but I always said, I'm going to live in the Carolinas someday. And I didn't know if it was North or South. I just, there was something about the Carolinas. And I think a lot of times we disregard what God can do in our youth and what he's cultivating. And so that desire started then. And then I remember getting to college and I would be sitting in my dorm, looking up colleges in North Carolina or South and just looking at, okay, how can I get there? How can I get to the Carolinas? And then I started dating Zach and I told him, I said, someday I want to live in the Carolinas. I've never been, but for some reason it feels like home and it's such a desire on my heart. And so he's just such a steady, easygoing guy. And he was on board. Um, We got married and we visited it a year into our marriage and he loved it as well. And so then we just kind of decided that was the plan when we could make it happen. So I just think that's so, yes, I love it. And like, yeah, sometimes we have these things that it doesn't always make sense. And I can imagine that when you were talking about this and quite frankly, I felt it a little bit because I was like, I just met my new best friend and she wants to move and I don't get why she wants to move. And I'm sure that other people had a little bit of pressure, you know, saying, okay, but you don't really have, you don't know anybody there. You don't have a support system there. Was that hard for you guys or were you pretty, um, I don't know, just, just unattached, detached from that? Yeah. I think personality wise for myself, it wasn't hard when I, you know, get something in my head, I'm going to do it. And I don't really question it. Um, Zach, on the other hand, he's, he's, and that's where I needed him. He's very much, he will think things through. He's logical. Um, 
just really thought through all the questions, which was great. He made me think about a lot of things and I would ask the hard questions. And so having him and then discerning it together, I think we got to a place where we did feel God was calling us here and we just had peace about it. And we just, I really do think it was God who put the peace in our heart that gave us kind of the motivation and the faith and trust we needed to move here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for you guys, when you got there, I hear a lot of, uh, adults kind of in that early stage of marriage or, um, you know, early stages of family life talk about the difficulty that it is to make friends in that season, because it's for the first time ever, you're not put in a classroom with like-minded individuals that are the same age of you in the same place where you get to do life every single day together. So were you able to find in the last two years that you've been there, have you been able to find some community? How have you have you guys made friendships? What, how has that process worked out? So number one, I think just being in the South, Southern hospitality is a real thing. So we got down here and we were just shocked by like the friendliness of people and how kind. But I also think I'll never forget our first Sunday. We moved on a Thursday and we were in church on Sunday. And it just hit me that, wow, there's not a single person that I could text or call today to hang out with. I know no one. And I was looking around the church just thinking, no, will we know these people in a year? Like who, you know, who are going to be these people that are important to us in a year's time? And so I think it was that moment that just gave us such the motivation. And we really just put ourselves out there and got out of our comfort zone. And just through work, if we met someone that we felt like we had a connection with, we would just ask them to get a beer on Friday or just different things. We really just put out the invitations and then we said yes to any that we got. And we thought this is what we have to do if we want to put our roots down and really build that community. Um, and there's kind of a cool story with that, that we would sit out on our porch and pray every night because community was such an important thing to us that we wanted to find. And so one night after praying, we walked down to the docks. Our apartment is on water. And so there's a few docks we can walk to. So we walked down to the docks and there was this man and his dog out walking and he came up to us and we just started talking and we kind of told him our story and he just said, oh my gosh, you have to meet my daughter and her husband. You guys have so much in common. And then he called his wife over and he's like, Jane, you have to come meet Zach and Heather. And so she came over and he just asked, he was like, couldn't we just pray together? And so we all just held hands out on the dock and we prayed and Zach and I walked back to our apartment and we thought, okay, if that wasn't a God wink, like he totally hears our prayers and he's going to put those people in our lives. And we ended up meeting his daughter and husband and they've become some of our greatest friends down here. So oh right gosh, away, it started working. Oh my gosh. That is like, that's so funny to me because yeah, you, you can't construe that, you know, yeah. you can't make that happen on your own. That's right. How did you and Zach grow in this time? Cause I'm listening to this and I'm like, this is a huge um, a leap of faith that you guys are both taking together. So how do you feel like, okay, now you're two, two years in, how has this, the move specifically, and we'll get yeah. into other parts of your story later, but how has the move specifically um, caused you guys to grow or how has it been challenging? Right. I would say that it's really linked us together and taught us just how to lean on each other. And I feel like moving down here, we entered a three-legged race. We, our legs were tied together and we were just, it was the first time that I felt like, okay, he's the one I have to rely on. I can't call my dad. If I get, you know, a flat tire, if I need my oil changed, it's, it's on Zach. And so, I mean, we came down here and we had one car that we packed full 
and we couldn't afford movers and we couldn't afford, you know, to get a U-Haul. And so we came down here and we unpacked our vehicle and we made one target run with all that we could afford. And we had one mattress in the middle of the living room. And I think we ate Cheez-Its for supper for a whole week. And we just really, I had an interview the day after we moved down here and I just prayed that I got it. And so I went to the interview and back drove me because again, we only had one car and we just really, I got the job and then Zach had, did not have his pharmacy license yet. He was still working on all the tests. And so we would have to coordinate all the days and he would have to drive me to work and then side story, but he was Ubering. So then he had to he Uber to work every day. He, no, he was an Uber driver. So we needed money. Oh, he was the driver. Like, so he became an Uber driver for a month, which I do not recommend. We probably made $20 out of it. I don't know if we were doing it right. So he would drop me off at work and then he would go to the beach because where I worked is about 30 minutes from home. So he didn't want to drive all the way back. So he would go out to the beach and then he would be out there for 10 hours some days and then come pick me up. And we just really learned how to rely on each other. And we, if we'd get in an argument, we would say, okay, we need to resolve this quick because you're the only person I have down here. And so like, let's get this figured out because we have some stuff to talk about. So and what an intimacy builder. I yeah. I mean, part of me is like 10 hours at the beach. That sounds awesome. But, yeah. but quite frankly, day after day, when you're kind of in this waiting, waiting period, this transition, I'm sure, I'm sure it was very stressful and overwhelming at times. And I love that there was this, like, we have to figure it out now because you're the only person I got. That's and right. I need to be able to have a conversation with you tonight before bed or whatever. I know. You know? <laughs> we were at that beach this past weekend and I, I don't know, I've never asked him, but I finally asked, I was like, Zach, what would you do out here all day for 10 hours? And he said, well, I would come out here, you know, it was pretty early and I would do my prayers and then I would lay out a towel and I'd usually take a nap. And then he said, I would usually like walk back and forth on the beach and then it would get so hot because it's South Carolina. So then he would go in the water and he's like, those days were long, but you just had to do what you had to do. Yeah, you had to do what you had to do. Oh gosh, that's so funny. So um, I want to talk a little bit about um, something that you've been open about with me and and, uh, on your writing. We'll talk about that in a little bit uh, as well, but um, that you and Zach for the last three years have been struggling with some infertility issues. Mm-hmm. Um, would you share just a bit of your, a bit of your story um, with us regarding that? Yeah. I mean, I would just say in general, um, infertility, it's such a heavy cross that you never think you're going to have to carry. And just being a woman and hearing all the talks, you think, okay, it's going to be so easy. We'll be able to conceive when, when we want to. And we found out, it was probably six months into our marriage, we were kind of doing the whole trying, not trying thing. And I was just talking to other friends and they were telling me how quickly it would happen for them. And so I think after six months, I just knew, okay, something's wrong. We should probably get this looked into. So we started going to the doctor and then was diagnosed with PCOS, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which kind of means you're either not ovulating at all or you are very infrequently. And so it just started from that day forward. It's been lab work and medications and just the emotional strain and financial strain. It's something that you you don't wish upon anyone. And for anyone who is struggling with infertility, my heart just goes out to you because it is such a silent, heavy cross. And it's something that just kind of jabs at you, you know, every month, another negative test or another baby announcement or another baby shower. And all your friends kind of feel like they're moving along with life and you're just stagnant and you don't understand because you have such a desire to be a mother, 
and yet it's not happening. And so it's just this confusion of, okay, Lord, I don't understand. Why is this desire so deep in my heart? And yet I don't know how we get to that place. So it's just been a, a very intense longing is the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Has there been anything that people have said or done that's been helpful? You know, I think we can hear a list um, of all of the things that don't say, you know, oh, so when are you going to have a baby? That kind of stuff, you know, like w- we hear that all the time. Like, don't stop asking your friends that it's, it's wounding or stop asking us, not even your friends, but those people that maybe you're not really like walking closely with or accompanying. Um, has there been anything that's been more helpful? Yeah. Honestly, I think just listening, it is, you have so many emotions and so many thoughts and it's such a roller coaster. And just to have someone that'll just let you listen. And then even those with kids, they just, they never make me, you know, sometimes I feel like, I'm sorry, you have kids. I don't want to be complaining about not, but they just listen or they'll just check in and say, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, So just those little things. And then I had a friend recently tell me she's pregnant, one of our close friends here, but she did it in such a compassionate and kind way. And then she texted me after and she just said, I know that's hard news. Like, how are you doing? Um, I've just been praying about this all week about how I can tell you. And that just meant so much, like just to know that it was such a compassionate way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that they had you in mind. Yeah, just the struggle of it. And yeah. yeah, you don't need that extra treatment, but it just means a lot when someone does realize that that can really be a hard thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super- yeah, I've just been thinking about this um, in, a, in a lot of different realms recently, when somebody is suffering, how to accompany them in that. And that can be in all sorts of things, you know, in your case, um, describing infertility or uh, people that have lost a loved one, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we, we all have various seasons of suffering and crosses that we're carrying in our lives. And I think oftentimes if we don't know what to say, we say nothing yes. or we avoid. And, and, and I love just your articulation of sometimes all you need is somebody that just says, I see you and I'm listening to you. Um, because it, yeah, there's that I'm seen, I'm known, I'm not forgotten and I'm not alone in this, Mm -hmm. um, which I just think is really beautiful. Just the presence alone, just having someone who will just sit with you on your hard days or just be with you. And truly sometimes there, there are no words. And sometimes I think words can almost make it worse if you don't know the right thing to say, but just being there for someone and just sitting with them or bringing over chocolate or bringing over the wine or just being in the, in the pain with them. Yeah. So, uh, and this is a, I recognize this is a really personal question and I just, I thank you for, for your vulnerability in it because I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. How have you and Zach continued, uh, first of all, how has this affected your marriage? Um, how have you kind of continued to foster connection and positivity towards one another? Or has that been difficult? Yeah, it's been, it's been very difficult. And I think for a while we let it cause quite a divide in our marriage. And I take a lot of credit for that. It being the one with the diagnosis, I felt very guilty that I couldn't give Zach the one thing he wanted as well. And he was just the most supportive man and never made me feel guilty, but I kind of did that to myself. And it was just self-sabotaging and just feeling very down and not really wanting to connect on with Zach on different levels because I just felt like I wasn't a good wife, to be honest. And so I would hide a lot and I, you know, I would take those negative pregnancy tests and I would never tell him when he got home that I was bawling earlier and, 
or another friend told me she was pregnant and I was just really struggling with it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't open up to him. And I don't think he knew how much I was struggling on the inside with it. And then finally, it just came to a point where I just couldn't carry the cross by myself anymore. And I was trying so hard. And then I remembered, okay, we are married. We are one. He can feel these pains and these stings just as much and help me carry the cross. And so we got to a place which confirmed it the other week. I had taken a test before going out with friends and I forgot that I left it on the bathroom counter and Zach was home and he probably had seen it. But we just are at that place now where it's not something to hide. We are so in it together and I may be the one with the diagnosis, but it still is both of our cross to carry. And so now I can say that I think it's brought us closer and now we're in it and I talk to him and he sees those tears and he sees those hard times where before I would just hide it. And that's a huge thing to have to hide all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so weird because I, th- we would think that this, that our spouse is the person that we are going to be most uh, easily able to share things with, right? Like that's kind of this idea that we have often in marriage and at different seasons in marriage. But for some reason, when some of those struggles come up, when really intimate, deep wounds and pains come up, I think those people that we know the best, AKA yeah. our spouse, can be the most difficult person to share it with. And I don't, I don't, I, and and I've experienced that, you know, like there's been things that have come up for me where it's almost easier for me to tell a girlfriend uh, before I tell Matt about it. And it's like, why is that? And so I actually have to kind of combat that and say, okay, how can I, um, yeah, continue to just foster this intimacy in marriage. And, and maybe it's just because our spouse knows us better than anybody, you know, our spouse knows our weaknesses and our strengths. Yeah. You know, and you can walk, you can share with a friend and then walk away and then just be like, okay, that felt good to dump it out on. But I think if it's your spouse, sometimes you feel like if I dump this out on him, he's going to get down and act in a different way. And then that's going to, it's kind of like a cycle. And then that's going to affect me because now he's going to be in a weird head space and then he may start treating me different. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like you're dumping out what's in your heart onto someone that truly is, is in it with you and in your home. And so you feel like the, the, the dump is coming right back to you. That's so, yeah, that's so insightful. I've never thought about it in that way. And I think you're totally right. I, I can't hide from this person. I can't, mm-hmm. if I bring this up here, it's going to somehow remain in our home. And that's, and that's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. And I think yeah. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. It's easier to kind of dump it on somebody that, that we don't have to see every day um, or yeah. that we don't have to continue to, to kind of, reap the ramifications of what that's going to mean because most often it's going to mean changes in our relationship or it's going to open doors for further conversations and continued growth and like growing pains are hard you know yeah that's right yeah so I I would love to just hear you share a bit about how you have really continue to foster just joy and connection in in your marriage in this season because I, um, yeah, just knowing several people and, and even for Matt and I at times where life has been very stressful, I think, I think our marriage is oftentimes the first thing to suffer. Um, Mm -hmm. so how have you guys in kind of a, in a season of, of difficulty, how have you continued to foster joy and connection and just romance and love in, in your marriage? Yeah. You know, I'm no expert on it, and it's something that we are still learning every day. But I can say, I think what I'm coming to realize, it's it's those little things 
that truly do make or break. And I just always think of it as if you're building a home together, if your marriage is this home, and it may seem like as you're building it, one little nail is so small and kind of unnecessary, but all of those nails together are what hold the home together. I don't know much about building, maybe it's screws, maybe it's nails. It I don't sounds know. about right. <laughs> it sounds right to me. It holds it together. And so it's all those little interactions in a day. When Zach walks through the door, I know the times where I'm just like, hi, and walk away. We're in a weird funk the rest of the night. But when I actually stop and greet him and ask how his day was and really listen, and then it just changes. It changes the tone for the rest of the night. We have better conversations. We're just more connected. And so I'm just trying to realize it's those small things or when he leaves a note on the whiteboard before leaving it, it just sticks with me all day. Um, just seeing that little reminder. And so I think we used to think it meant like taking big trips and really just doing those big things together, but it's truly the small. I think Zach and I, we both, I think a thing that helps a lot is music and dancing. And so in the car, I feel like we are always dancing. We're always rapping together. We're always just, that's kind of our release or in the kitchen for dishes or cooking, we always have the music going and just dancing. I love that. And that's such a practical, ordinary way. I mean, it doesn't have to be extravagant. I think oftentimes when we're thinking about, okay, how can I foster reconnection in our marriage? You know, we need to take a big trip together or we need to sit down and have a really intense conversation. But what you're referring to is actually something that's so simple and so little and so ordinary, like having music on and dancing together and changing the way that you greet him when he walks in the door. It's, it's yeah. the little things that make up the big things. Yeah. And not taking life so seriously. I think sometimes these heavy things do feel so heavy and we just need to remember that life is meant to be enjoyed too. And we're meant to have good times together as well. And I think, you know, being a couple, you do have a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility and you have a lot of deep, hefty conversations all the time. But to then remember, remember when we were dating and we would love to dance or we would love to sing or we would just laugh about things. Remember when I used to think you were funny? And so like finding that again and finding your spouse humorous and laughing at his jokes instead of just being like, okay. <laughs> I roll or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and Heather, you're a writer. How has, would you call yourself a writer? I'm a, I'm a processor that I guess does that through words. So maybe a writer. <laughs> I don't I'm know. I'm a processor that does that through words. Yeah. I love it. I, I actually, um, in last week's episode, um, I was thinking about you because I was interviewing Edmund Mitchell and he talked about just owning those things that we do. And, and I thought of you like, yeah. you're a writer and, and there's kind of that, okay, but I'm not officially published or anything like that. I'm like, yeah. no. Heather, you're a writer. We got us. We had a long conversation about just owning those skills yeah. and kind of claiming those gifts that we have. Um, but I was thinking about you during it. Um, how has that outlet, you know, even in the in the Simply Be um, Instagram account that um, yeah. we'll we'll talk about in a second as well, how has that been an outlet for you? And and not just in the infertility component, but in processing your life at this time and 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 becoming more fully alive. Right. I do. I think that writing is kind of the way I just spew what's in the heart. So I always find myself, I mean, I'll be in the middle of cooking and I just stop and have thoughts in my head that I just have to write out. And so I think that it just has really helped me process a lot and then sharing it. And it is hard to share. It's a vulnerable thing. And sometimes before posting something, I really do second guess, should I post this or not? But especially when it comes to infertility or anything really deep, 
But I know that so many writings or so many different people's accounts have helped me a lot in this time and just knowing that I'm not alone in it. And so I did. I had posted one about infertility and the response and the amount of DMs and people that just said, thank you for sharing this. I feel so alone in it. And then starting a conversation, that was such confirmation that, okay, we do need to be more vulnerable. And I know sometimes it's, you know, we live in a world where it's put on a front and everyone looks like you have it all together. But truly behind all of those fronts are just all of us trying to figure out what are we doing? And is anyone else out there that is going through this that I can talk through it with? And so that's kind of was my push to just start sharing. I just knew that there were so many words that I needed to hear from others that I thought, why don't I start writing these down and give it to other people to read and then to resonate with. And I love, there's such a bravery in that. I mean, the word that just keeps on coming to me as you're sharing that is what a brave, courageous thing to say, I have, I have things that I think are worthy of sharing or even just not even things that are worthy of sharing, but things that are worthy of my heart to express, you know, that are worthy of my time and energy and effort to create something around it. And, and it's, such a brave, courageous thing to go into those places and to foster that creativity. I think sometimes we avoid it, you know, like a painter that doesn't want to paint or a writer that doesn't want to write or a a singer that doesn't want to sing because it requires something of us and it's easier to stay in a place of lukewarmness, hide from it and to binge watch Netflix instead of carving out that time and creative space to, to do something, to sew, to make, to build, to create whatever it is you know I think there's so many different things that we could do um and so I just I I, yeah I can't help but think like that's so brave to just really intentionally dive into it yeah well thank you I just think when we discover our gifts that's exactly what it does it requires a lot of us and it takes like you said it means not watching Netflix at night or you know trying to work on something that's on my heart that I want to get into words and I think at the end of that it can feel exhausting, but it's also very life-giving and then to put it out there and then to just know that it's impacted someone. Mm -hmm. And so it does, it takes, you know, shutting off Netflix and then putting in the time, but that's what truly the Lord calls us to do is to share our gifts. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the last, we just have a few minutes, uh, left and I just want to talk very briefly about, um, foster care. Um, so you and your husband have fostered, is it two? Uh, we've had three total. Three. Okay. Yeah. So you fostered yeah. three, three little ones. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm going to, in lieu of time, I'm going to jump kind of ahead to the question that's really, that I'm most curious yeah. about in this. I think oftentimes we look at fostering with, or I look at fostering with kind of rose colored glasses yeah. thinking, oh yes, like that would be incredible that would be beautiful. It'd be very hard, but so worth it. Um, But I think there's the reality that it's actually really difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and as kind of you and I um, had a conversation a while ago that it's not just about the child, it's also about the mother. So can you share just a little bit about kind of your experience with, with that and, and it kind of being a holistic mission for you? I would say the rose colored glasses is such a true thing. And growing up, my family did foster care. And so I, I think I really had a good sense of what it entails and the emotional side of it. But in the same token, my mom made it look so easy and just so effortless that I had no idea the amount that goes into it. It just is a lot of ups and downs and unknowns. A lot of when they are in your home, pediatrician visits, caseworker visits, social worker visits, you have court cases and you have visits that you have to get the child to. It 
it is all consuming. And I know that the burnout rate, most people only make it about one to two years fostering, which is quite sad. And it just shows that there needs to be a lot more support in it. But I think in the same token, like you said, to get to the holistic side of it, that is something that Zach and I have really recognized is you can't help the child without helping the mom as well or without helping the family. And we've just seen that time and time again. And I think it's so easy to point the finger and to say, how could you treat your child like this? Or how could you neglect? But I think the fingers point back to us in what are we doing to help these young moms and to help them feel supported and to know how to care for a child. And just after hearing these stories of these poor mothers, um, a lot of them grew up in foster care themselves, or they don't have the resources they need, or they're trying so hard, but it's not enough. And so there is such a bigger picture at stake. And that's something that I just think the message needs to be out about. Like if you want to foster, be in it for more than just to adopt, because if you just want to adopt, you're not seeing the whole picture. You're forgetting about that poor mom who loves her kids that just doesn't know how to properly care for them. And in some cases, yes, that may be best, but that's a whole nother topic. But it is, it's just going into it with the eyes that, okay, I want to help whoever needs to be helped in this. And that's the way that I can love this child best. Well, be prepared because I'm going to totally sweet talk you into coming on and doing a whole nother episode about, about that because um, I, yeah, I love your perspective on it and I love, yeah, just the way that you and Zach have approached it in that holistic way and, and a recognition of, um, I'm not afraid to get attached because these kids deserve this. And yet at the same time, it's still difficult to get attached. And how do we love mama through this? How do we love dad through this? Um, All of those things. So um, Heather, thank you just for, again, for just sharing your vulnerability and your story with us before we, before we end, I always say this is a place with more questions than answers because I think it's through, yeah, big questions, little questions and everything in between that we can learn more about who we are and more about the world. So I want to know what's a question that you have uh, been pondering lately that's, that you're just sitting with. Yeah. You know, it may sound phony at first, but it it could pertain to others. But I, my question has been, what will our Christmas card look like in five to 10 years from now? And that always sparked from, I know it's silly, but it always sparked from- It's not, I love it. The classic scroll one day on Instagram. And I came across, she actually lives across the hall from us. I came across a picture of her family photos, the Christmas card. And her story is just so interesting and beautiful. And she has- she, was, she miscarried multiple times, was unable to get pregnant, and so she has two twin boys that she adopted. And then in the midst of that, they found out that her husband had a 17-year-old son that they didn't know about, and now they adopted him as well or have full custody. And so here's her family photo, and it's just so gorgeous, and it's kind of what her yeses have led to. And so it got me thinking about that with Zach and I, because I just know in five to 10 years, it's not going to be just Zach and I on our Christmas card. And I can't wait to see, like, are they going to be biological kids? Are they going to be foster kids? Are we going to have adopted? I just, I, and I think that pertains to anyone, you know, it's kind of that excitement of what's God going to do in these next five to 10 years related to our family. And yeah, just the gifts that are coming. I love that. I love that. And it totally pertains to, to everyone because yeah, I'm thinking too, what's our Christmas card going to look like? And, yeah. and just, yeah. How is our family going to change, but also just how is culture going to change and the styles yeah. and like oh, what that's a good point too. <laughs> I perceive as beautiful, you know, right now, gold foil is everything or rose yes. gold foil. Like, is that going to be lame in five years? I don't know. You know, maybe it'll be yeah. like glitter is back or something. I know. So I be here yeah. For the record. 
That's right. It's such a traditional, I know, antique style coming back, or is that long gone? <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh. Well, Heather, thank you again so much for just sharing your vulnerability. Where can people follow along with you um, if they want to pers- follow along with your writing or with your life? Where can they find you? The main area would be Instagram. And I have my personal account, which is mullen.heather at mullen.heather. And then from there, I have my Simply Be account, which is all my writings. And that is an interesting spelling. I thought it was creative back in the day, but a lot of people don't understand it now. But it's S-I-M-P-L-B-E. So it's supposed to look like the word simple, but it means simply be. Simply be. And I will I will take that in the show notes as well for um, people that are interested in um, connecting with you there. Also, I would love to continue to connect with you and hear about um, you listeners, what questions might be coming up for you as you're listening to these various episodes. Um, and so I set up a little Google voice number where you can call, leave a voicemail. Um, I have it set up to go to directly to voicemail. So you can call and leave a message um, with maybe a question that you're pondering or something that struck you from an episode, or you can shoot a text to that number. And again, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's 605. I think it's 215-1515. But I would love to continue the conversation. And so you can shoot a text or leave a message at that number. Um, And I'm hoping to share some of those on future episodes. So questions from you listeners, or um, if you'd like to give a little shout out to a friend who you know listens, uh, uh, to a friend that you know who listens to the podcast. Um, yeah, I want to continue to build community in this space. So, uh, that's our little effort and, and our attempt to do that. So Heather, again, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a joy to see your face from across the country. Isn't technology amazing? Oh, it's wonderful. Makes the world a little bit smaller. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much again for listening, friends. Please share this episode with a friend who you think might resonate with it. We'd also love it if you took a screenshot and shared it on Instagram and tagged us um, so that we can continue to get the word out and the message about what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. Thanks, Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.